Now, I tell you somebody that hopes that Stavansky and the Browns organization is going to pass on Baker. And I might get some tomatoes for this one, but I'm talking about Bill Belichick because Belichick ate some crow. But let me tell you something what Belichick would do. He'd take that B-plus, A-minus quarterback and make him into a champion. You heard me say it first because ain't nobody else out there talking this. Belichick would make Baker Mayfield a champion, and Stefanski may go with Case Keenum. But wait and see. If he goes out there, he will be a Patriot. Wow. Yeah, man. That's all I got. Wow. Do do we got a laugh track for that one? Like, man, what? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Hey, he stepped out on the ledge with that one, didn't he? Great. Welcome to another episode of Game for All Seasons with your boy Coach E. Brought to you by Move for Less, neighborhood high school football defensive line coach, neighborhood high school basketball assistant coach, personal trainer at the Voltage Gym in Cleveland Heights. On the side, I got two assistant coaches with me. What's going on, Zan? What's good? Good. Good to hear you on another episode, brother. On the other side, I got Byron. What's going on, B? What's going on, Coach E, Assistant Coach Zen? Let me remind y'all that this is not your boy, but your favorite grown-ass man, Mr. Taboo Timmons, and I am ready to talk. I like that. I like the way you jumped that off. The energy is really, really getting in through the microphone, brother. All right. We got a couple of topics to go through. Zen, what you got for me? Well, it's that time again. For those that have been listeners of this pod, then you know that this is the time where we get to know Coach E a little more. Because we are a new podcast, people might be wondering, who is this Coach E that I'm listening to? So the Michael Jai White sounding fella will start things off with a backstory to help introduce himself to you. So far, have you shared with us your favorite memory as a fan and your favorite memory as a player? So, Coach, uh, who's been the most influential person in your life so far? Well, that's easy, Zen. The most influential person in my life would have to be my grandfather, Willie Frank Evans Sr., This man, he has taught me so much from the time that I was born all the way up until now. I'm still learning things from him now. He's a man's man. He's a man of his word. He's very strict, very open book, just like me, man. People say I'm dry, but I get right to the point, and I get that from him. Being around him all these years and seeing him talk to people the way he talked to people, you just inherit that just from exhibits. So let's say I have a great story. Uh. So it was nine grandkids at first before the younger ones were born, nine of the older grandkids. So my grandfather made a promise to us that he would buy us all cars if we learned how to change the oil, change the tire, rotate the tires, and just how to overall keep maintenance up on the car. So my brother was one of the oldest grandkids, so he ended up getting his car first. True enough, went up to Bass Chevrolet on Northfield Road, got him a 1996 uh, Chevy Cavalier. Sure enough, we took the car home. My grandfather made him change the oil, change the tires and everything. If he wasn't able to do it, my grandfather was going to take the car right back. So my brother ended up changing the tire and the oil and all that stuff. So fast forward to my turn getting the car. Went, got me a car. I struggled so bad changing that oil, man. It was one of the hardest (laughs) things I thought that was ever going to happen in my life. But eventually I got it the second day. I didn't do it the first day, so that car stayed at that house until I was able to do it the second day. So he kept his promise with that. That's why a lot of people say I'm old school because I was 
predominantly raised by him as a man's influence. So I took on a lot of old school things. I'm 38 years old, but a lot of people say I act like I'm 50. But that's just coming from his way of leadership, man, the way he raised all of us. So he always taught us to be a man, speak very assertive, assert yourself in certain conversations, always look a man in his eye and squeeze him on the handshake. Pretty much owe a lot of things that I've learned as a man to my grandfather, Willie Frank Evans Sr. As this translates to sports, you've been a D1 athlete. What skills did you say that your grandfather gave to you that you were able to apply to help you uh, succeed the way you were able to succeed in sports? 100% discipline. We used to live probably about 10 minutes away from them growing up, right? So my wife always complains that I'm an early riser, that I wake up too early, and she still be mm. trying to get her little beauty rest. So I'm up like 4.30, 5 o'clock, man, trying to sleep in. It just never happens. That man used to come to our house, wake me and my brother up. We used to have to mop the floor, clean the bathrooms, do a little yard work, even before we went to school now. You know, it'd still be dark outside at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. He'd turn his lights on on the truck while we outside getting the weeds up and everything because he knew we had practice after school, so it was going to be hard to do it after we got out of school. So he used to come wake us up, make sure we was up at four thirty, five o'clock to do everything before we went to school. And that was just a routine that we just stuck with while we got older. It's definitely discipline. He instilled discipline to us all the way up until we were at least 21 years old. Right now, it's just a way of life. For those who, who getting to know you, you have a lot on your plate. Not only your coach, you hold down a nine to five as well. And you're also personal trainer and life coach. The discipline that he instilled with you as a kid helps you to multitask and, and handle everything that's on your plate. Yes, sir. He always taught us. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, you do whatever you got to do to make sure you do it. So uh, that just sticks with me to this day, too. So if I tell you I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. If I tell you I'm going to do something for you, I'm going to do it. If I tell you I can help you out, I'll help you out. But that just goes right back to what I was saying earlier about him being cut and dry and just saying everything that's on his mind with no hidden punches. If I also know I can't do it, I don't have no problem with telling you I can't do it. And mm -hmm. I don't want you to have no hard feelings about it because I'm not trying to be mean to nothing. That's just what it is. I can't do it. I'm not about to sugarcoat nothing. I'm going to go ahead and get to the point and get it over with. We can talk about it later on. But if I tell you can't do it, I can't do it. No hard feelings. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how he is, too. It's got to be like, no. He give you the sternest, nicest no at the same time. Like, uh, no, I can't do it, brother. <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, man. But with that, like, because old school, you know, my grandfather was old school. So he gave he gave thunderous whoopings. And oh. I only had a couple, and I didn't want any more. Now, did he have to do that with you, or did you guys just fall in line? Oh, man. You know, as a teenage boy, you always want to rebel and you got to push some <laughs> buttons and find out what's going to happen if you don't do <laughs> said work or said anything that the grown up is telling you to do. It's been plenty of whoopings. And it seemed no, like okay. when we was growing up, I got the most whoopings just because, like I said, I always rebelled and I tried to see what was on the other side of that rebellion. He always used to set us straight. I'm not going to go into detail because I ain't going to have nobody trying to look for my grandfather talking about some <laughs> child abuse. But boy, right. it got real in that basement in Warrensville, boy. It got real. <laughs> he used to make house calls for whoopings, too. It's just oh, when you think man. he coming over to wake you up to do some work around the house. Oh, no, he coming to wake you up to whoop you. And best mm. believe, it, oh, man, it went down, brother. 
That's where I get my pain tolerance from. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, all right, I'm going to go ahead and end right there. That was a good story, Coach E. Now, if you were to have any questions that you would like Coach E to answer for you, please do submit any questions to at Big Ev 216. That's at B-I-G-E-V 216 on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll shout you out in the next pod. We'll get back to Coach E game for all seasons in just a second. But first, we have a word from our partner, Move for Less. Raise your hand if this has ever been you. It's time for you to move to your new place. You try to find friends and family to help, and nobody will return your call. Or you were able to find someone, but they didn't know what they were doing. In turn, you wound up either damaging your furniture or damaging your new place, trying to figure a way to get the furniture in. You've thought about professional help, but you were worried about the cost. Worry no more. Call Move for Less and let them take away the hassle from your move. Move for Less provides a reliable and quality service for customers in the Cleveland, Akron, and its metropolitan areas. Listeners of this podcast get 5% off their already affordable prices when they use the code COACHE. Go to move, the number four, lessllc.com or call 216-678-0002 for your free quote today. Move for Less, Northeast Ohio's favorite movers. All right, let's get things rolling. We have another great pod lined up for you. We'll give our end-of-the-season wrap-up on our Cleveland Browns. We'll also give our thoughts on the blockbuster trade made by the Brooklyn Nets. And we'll also talk about the jump to the NFL for our former Ohio State Buckeyes coach, Urban Meyer. I know you hear that playing in the background. Yeah, that's right. That's boys to men. Yes, it looks like our Cleveland Browns has reached the end of the road. They gave a valiant effort, though, but they came up short to the one-loss Kansas City Chiefs, 22-17. With their all-world quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, going down in the third quarter, it looked like the Browns were in position to pull off an even bigger upset in the divisional round of the playoffs. But unfortunately, they didn't. The vibes in the city are filled with optimism, though. Fans are happy to accept the loss because the team has been bad for so long. But could this be a situation where we add to the list of all the other times that the team should have won but didn't. I don't think we could add this to the list of the should have won but didn't. I think you could add this to the list of there's greater things to come because, like you said, we made it all the way to the divisional round of the playoffs, and that's been unheard of around here for years. I'm talking about years. And for us to be blessed enough and talented enough and a good team to make it that far, we definitely can't put that into the should have won and just be upset about it. True enough, nobody is ever happy with a loss. We ain't wanted to end at all. We were, like you said, enjoying that ride. I know I was. You just got to chalk it up and just know it's better things to come. That's a year of the uh, younger guys getting that up under their belt, getting that taste of the playoffs and just knowing and wanting to come back because the old Browns is none of those guys around. So this is the new Browns. So now they can set a different standard for our organization and for our city for us to just keep winning and keep striving and being hungry to get there again. And not only just to get there, but keep going further and further. So let's say if we make it further every year, that means two years Super Bowl, people. And I know my city would be happy about that. So when it comes to winning, it seems that it's easier to get there and much harder to stay there. Sustained success is hard to do in the NFL with this parity system. All you have to do is look at what we did in the 2008 season after we won 10 games the season before. 
So what are some of the trappings that the organization must avoid next year so that this will not be looked at as just some fluke? The thing we definitely have to avoid is just the complacency level, just because, like I said, this is the new Browns, so they already set a different standard. We can't get complacent and happy and just think it's just supposed to be like this. They earned that this year, so we cannot get complacent and just think it's going to be like that every year. And we just, it's an easy path. We the Browns now. Nobody gave us no credit before. We got to get all that out of our head. I'm not to saying that it does exist, but just like you said, we can't let that happen. We got to be able to stick to the grind, know what we're doing, know what we're working for, and continue to build and just continue to get better and better as the years come, especially next year. That That's going to be a real important year just from seeing how far we went and how far we can go. We got to be able to stick around and just ride it out, man, just keep making further and further every year. All right, let me toss it over to the CEO of the Baker Mayfield fan club and uh, the mayor of Bakertown or Bakersfield, whatever you want to call it, Mr. Taboo Timmons, <laughs> a.k.a. B. How did you feel your boy Baker showed up in this game? Well, let me tell you something. Baker gained a new nickname. Baker Skywalker. Whoa. Again, Baker Skywalker. Because he threw more lasers than Luke and Darth Vader. The lasers were out there. They were flying. They were flying. In, in, in some instances, they were flying so hard, people was dropping that ball. People that dropped it, that I was surprised. But it ain't all on them. Because all of them made some, some bonehead mistakes. We'll get to that. But... Another thing, I got a comment about that 2008, my brother. First of all, you ain't had Baker Mayfield. You had Derek, I can't hit the front of my face, Anderson. And he had some magicians for receivers who caught passes that no one should catch. Unless they got sticky stuff and, and spider senses and crazy stuff because he was the most inaccurate quarterback ever. So this ain't 2008. So... This is what Coach E said. This is something to grow on. This is just the beginning. Because let me tell you something. Was this was, you went up against the champ, right? This was Buster Douglas going against Tyson, but it didn't end up with Buster winning. What it was, Tyson broke his hand. Tyson being the Chiefs. He broke his hand. He broke his right side of his body. And you still didn't win. Now let that resonate. You fighting the champ. You about to win. He breaks the right side of his body, and he's right-handed. So he can't protect himself. The only thing he can do is jab you with the left, and you still let him win. And that's what the Browns did as a whole, and especially the defense, Joe Woods. We're going to get into that, but that's what he did, and I think this is going to be bitter. This is going to be bittersweet. Sweet, yes, we got there, but this is going to resonate with them for a while through the offseason, and watch how they come out next year. So. Let's get right into the Joe Woods and the defense conversation right now. Tell me what else could they have done? They held the one of the league's hottest offense yes, sir. to 22 points. So yes, sir. what else could they have done, brother? I'm going to tell you, Coach E, man, and out there, the listeners, I want y'all to turn this up. Turn this podcast up right now because I need y'all to hear. I need the people next to you to hear it. They did a phenomenal job on Patrick Swagger Mahomes. They did. They held him to field goals. They did the bend but don't break Buffalo Bills back in 93 defense where you don't want to get beat, but you just want to keep him in front. He was on pace to throw for 600 yards. 
But what somebody should have told Joe Woods is that Patrick Mahomes got hurt. Somebody should say, Joe, Patrick is gone. So get out of Patrick Mahomes' defense because your 35-year-old, I was bagging groceries, was out there, and he ran for 14 yards. He closed the game. He's not Patrick. You let him run. You let him run. You let him run. And you let him throw some stuff. So Patrick Mahomes was gone. That's the only thing I say. That's the only reason I ain't giving him an F. Can I jump in real quick, real quick, Coach? I can't blame defensive coordinator Woods because Andy Reid kept his play calling like Patrick Mahomes was out there. Yes. Man, that interception Chad Henney threw, that was a Patrick Mahomes play. That fourth and inches play, that was something you call when you got Patrick Mahomes out there. Yes, sir. He didn't switch up his play calling once he put in his his backup quarterback. He pretty much stuck to the same play calling. Unless I'm missing something, Coach, am I missing something? Not missing anything at all because that's exactly why Chad Henney was able to run those 14 yards because we had to keep those same coverages. You still had Tyreek out there. You still had Kelsey out there. You had to respect him. It doesn't matter who's in there. He's a professional, too. He gets paid, too. True enough, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's a professional. He's been there before, and he can get the job done, especially all you got to do is pick up a first down. You go into the AFC Championship game. So that's what he did. You definitely can't blame Joe for that, brother. Well, let me tell you why. Here's the differences, my brothers. Here's the differences. Patrick Mahomes, when did he get hurt exactly? Third quarter with seven and a little under eight minutes in the third quarter. Yeah. Third quarter. Yeah. Now, this is why I say they did switch up the play calling to play to their strengths. Andy Reid did a phenomenal job. Patrick Mahomes, 21 to 30, 255 yards in one half, in a half and a quarter of play. Chad Henning only threw the ball eight times. One was a pick. If I'm playing John Madden football, I'm going to say, look, I'm going to make Chad Henning beat me. I'm going to say, I'm bringing something. I'm bringing the heat to you because you're not Pat Mahomes. You're not the magician Mahomes. You're not going to do the, the special magic that Patrick can do. I'm coming at you. I'm not going to stay in that. Don't get beat over the top. I want to see if he can throw it because one of the throws he threw out of only eight times, which they start going to the run, was an interception, which he threw it to the stands. He was throwing for the hot dog, man. So, I no, I'm not going to play it the same. I'm, I'm coming at Chad Henning because he's 35. He's not Pat Mahomes. He, he's not even Pat Mahomes' left shoe. So, no, I'm coming at him. So, you saying you wanted to bring the house on Chad Henning just because he was in there? Do you need to bring the house on Chad Henning? It, anything. You have a good defensive line. You rely on that four-man pressure because the minute you start bringing a blitz, like I just said, you still got Tyreek out there. You still mm-hmm. got Travis Kelsey out there. You void mm-hmm. one area, them dudes are gone. So you can go exactly. ahead and bring the pressure if you want to. Like I said, Chad Henney is a veteran. It's not a blitz that's been played in the football, in the National Football League that he hasn't seen before, whether it be on film or on the field. So trust me. He can check into whatever he wanted to check in if you thought you was going to bring some pressure and go ahead and motion Tyreek to that side. Okay, go ahead and do your thing, fastest man in the NFL. Then what you're going to be saying right now, we shouldn't have left Tyreek open. We shouldn't have blitzed. So it's, it's a tit-for-tat thing. I think we did the right thing. We just have to make that play. That's what it boils down to. You just have to make the play. When you have the opportunity to make the play, you got to do it no matter what, especially when all that is on the line. All the marbles was pushed to the middle of the table. 
Mm-hmm. You got to find a way to make the play, man. I, I That's true. That, that hurt Chad Henney running 14 yards. I never envisioned that happening exactly. in that game. I never even thought Chad Henney would even be a factor in the game. But since he was, you still got to respect him because just like Coach Zian said, Andy Reid was still calling the same offense, man. You can't take that for granted. That offense is outstanding, and you don't want to leave no doors open or they're going to walk right through that thing. Yeah. Now, one thing, one rebuttal with that, because the one pass play that, that Henning did get, not, not the fourth down, but the one pass play that he threw, quote unquote, deep to, what's my man, Tyree Hill, mm-hmm. that was a lame duck that Tyree Hill made a better play on. In fact, Tyree Hill went and he pushed down his coordinator or whoever it was on the sideline because Chad Henning couldn't get him the ball. No, Chad Henning stinks. I mean, he's still a professional in the NFL, best of the best. But he is no magician, Patrick Holmes. You don't stay in that defense. You go after him. You go for his head. Now, one other thing, too. Who's the best pass rusher we have? Hands down. Uncle Miles. Uncle Miles. The only problem with Miles, COVID has switched cheesed up his lungs. And I'm afraid that he may not be the same player. Because if you look at Miles Garrett, after COVID, he was not the first the, the player he was the first half of the season before COVID. And you saw him on the sideline sucking so much gas and wind. And I'm very afraid that he may not be the Miles Garrett that we know. I think he'll come back and be the same Miles Garrett. It was just a freaky year, man. He really had no time to get himself back. Then the sucky thing about COVID is when you do miss that time, you got to go straight from on the couch in the bed, COVID, to right back to game speed. That's a lot, man. That's a whole lot on the body, let alone a athlete that's been doing it for years. But usually they have a couple practices or something to get them back in shape. But you got to go from zero to 60, man, like immediately. Can we go into the office? Because I, I, I got Stavansky, too. Stavansky, I think I might have an audience on this because Stavansky, it's no way you got the champ with a broken right side of his body, and then you get an interception, a nugget, right when it started to feel like I had that feeling of 2016 where Brian them was playing out their minds on the basketball court. I was like, man, we might win this thing. We about to win this thing. We got the ball, and then what did they do? Now, Coach E going to agree with me on this definitely. He's text me, run, run, run. You got two studs. You got one of them playing with a chip on his shoulder. You come out, and I said, no, Coach E, and I'm the president of Bakerville, but I said, run, run, pass. And Stavansky said, pass, 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 run. No way you're going to do that. It's no way. You got eight minutes and 10 seconds in the fourth quarter. Momentum shift your way. The champ's body is paralyzed on the right side. You got to go with your punches. You got to go with your one, too. So I wanted to see more Chubb and more Hunt. Definitely. So since you brought up that Stefanski thing, let me go ahead and walk up in there, too, because that's who I was mad at. This was the biggest drive of the year. Game-winning drive. You could have made it that way if you would have ran, ran, ran. That second half, it is always known. Our backs, our offensive line wears down a defense. So you have to continue to do that for a game-winning drive to go to the AFC Championship game. You have to rely on your horses. Pretty much that got you there. Baker ain't get you there single-handedly. Yeah, he played a part in it. I won't take that away from him. But you cannot do anything without those two backs right there. You need that. And he was 
calling the screens and everything, man. You, you trying to get too pretty. Just keep it smash mouth football because that's exactly what it was. It was cold outside. That defense was getting tired. We should have just kept chunking. I don't care if you're getting three or four yards of carry. That can be three or four yards of carry and milk that clock all the way down to about a minute as you punching it in with Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. True enough, yeah, I wouldn't have minded a couple passes here and there, but you have to be run dominant in that game-winning drive, man. Bring it home. It was right in front of your face. That's what you lived for. That's what you coach for. That's what you play for. Opportunity like that to go ahead and seal the game in their house, you got to go ahead and do it. Go for the throws. Don't be trying to be pretty. It ain't time to be pretty. It's time to win. It's time to punch Mm -hmm. them in the mouth, punch it in the end zone, and get out there Wave to the crowd while you go into the locker room getting ready for the AFC championship game. But didn't happen because it's play calling. It has been a little suspect this year, in my humble opinion. But we we left it right there, man. Left it on the silver platter. It's still sitting at Arrowhead, too. That's where I differ with, with everybody in the city right now. Everybody feels like it's a guarantee that next year is going to be a successful year. Man, in the NFL, what, how's the Eminem song, man? You get one shot. This is your yeah. opportunity to blow. <laughs> like, in this, next year is not a guarantee. Not at all. And we've seen mm-hmm. too many head coaches that, that come in with a hot first year. Uh, Anthony Lynn, uh, Matt Nagy, just to name a couple off the top of my head that I, I see come in the first year the team make the playoffs, people thinking, oh, we about to build something. But in the NFL, it's hard. It's not regular life. Where regular life, you there's progression, 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 and then you eventually make it to the top or make it to wherever it is your, your destination is. In the NFL, like I say, with the parity and with it being such a violent sport, the following year, a couple of guys get hurt. That's your season. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. They was knocking it on the, the door of a Super Bowl title. Mm. They come back the following year, Garoppolo, Bosa, gone. Season, gone. Year before that, L.A. Rams, right there. They like, ooh, okay. McVay feeling like, okay, I just learned something. I just saw how I got out coached by Belichick. They just hovering around the playoffs. They nowhere near title contenders anymore. I'm hoping that's not the case. Hopefully it, it is a run with this, but I just see it happen too often in the NFL that you get an opportunity, you got to take it, and they didn't take it. That was their opportunity to be in the AFC Championship game, possibly be in the Super Bowl. I think we look back on it, possibly said that was our chance for our title right there. We missed out on it. Hopefully that's not the case, but I just see it happen – Far, far, far too often. But I do want to get back to your point, Coach, with Stefanski's play calling. We saw a lot of heavy run early in the season. As season went on, Baker started shouldering more of the low. It seems like the early part of the season was just something to help Baker get his feet wet since there was no offseason, there was no training camp, no real training camp, no OTAs and things of that nature, no preseason games. So it, it seemed like he relied on the run early on to help Baker get acclimated to the system. It seems that the latter part of the year is more what Stefanski wants to run. Do you feel in that latter part of the year that Baker was able to make that turn to being that number one overall draft pick potential that we we all saw when we first drafted him? I felt sometimes Stefanski was playing too much to Baker, trying to get his numbers up or whatever, but you have to stick with that the whole year. Nick Chubb missed four games. Am I right or am I wrong? Four games, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
he still ended up with 1,067 yards, missing four games, and not getting carries like he should be getting carries in the games that he played. I'm looking right now. The most carries he's had in the game this year, 22. 22 is the most carries that that man had all year. That was the Cincinnati game at home, 22 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. I don't understand why you don't want to give that man the ball. And like I said, it don't even have to just be him. You have a two-headed monster. You easily could have had two backs in your system rush 4,000 yards if you would have stuck to your guns. And just Baker could still come along while he's doing that. He could still come along. There's plenty of time, plenty of stuff to go around. I just think that Odell stuff, Baker let that get to his head. And at that time, Stefanski was feeling sorry for him. Okay, okay, we got to get your confidence back. We're going to need your confidence later on in the year. And just like you said, that's what I think he took that and just went way too far with it, in my opinion. So first off, Coach E just hit the nail on the head. I've been screaming Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield. The first matchup was wrong because Mayfield confidence took a hit last year. He was coming in, thinking too much, trying to be something he's not, okay? He's not the best quarterback in the world, but the potential I see, he loves to put on that orange cap. He goes out there. He plays with a swagger and a dangerousness that makes him good when he's playing with that. I think Stavansky realized that and I said, okay, we got to get his confidence back. And with that, I'm going to even go back and say, now he may be ready for OBJ. He may be ready for, you know, to say, look, man, we, we about to sling this pill, but you got to wait in your turn in line. Now, OBJ is talking good what I'm hearing in the offseason that he's ready to do something. The trade talks have subsided. I haven't heard any, you know, or the desire to be traded. But with Baker, I think he's got that confidence back, and I think he's ready. All right, so you know we got to talk about it. That's the big fumble from Rashard Higgins on the goal line that led to a touchback with a minute and 34 left in the second quarter. Instead of going down 16-10 at the half and getting the ball back after halftime, we went into the half down 19-3. Now, Coach, you said that when you saw the Steelers fumble on the first play in last week's game that you knew that it was the Browns' day. So when you saw this fumble, did you say that it's not the Browns' day? No, I didn't even go that far. I actually, I was the guy in the room keeping everybody sane because everybody in the room was just saying like, oh, man, that's it. We lost. And that goes back to the other pie where I was talking about my beloved Browns fan. They will be so cool and happy, boy, when things going right. But as soon as something like that happened, they ready to sit they throw. Like, oh, man, we, we lost. It's over. I knew we'd never do it. But the only thing that I – felt about that that it hurt was points points was at a premium even if we did get three points out of that drive it was still points so we ended up with nothing out of that drive which was pretty huge like heck the final score it deemed to be pretty huge that could have been the touchdown that we won by that could have been the three points that we won by you know what I mean so that swung the game that's just at that point in time in the game that was just momentum right there that put momentum back on Kansas City side when we was on that drive taking it away. But I would love to see them change that rule, man. I just don't understand how they deem that. Like, how do you come to that conclusion? Like, oh, yeah, okay, so if the offense fumbles the ball out of the end zone, 
let's just make it a touchback. There's no logic behind that. Like, how how is that even a rule? Like, what do you get out of that? That makes no That's sense awful. to me. That's all. And you as a coach, Coach E, Hollywood Higgins, I don't know if you tell the players fight for the extra yards, extend the ball, but with that, you know that rule is there. What do you tell Hollywood Higgins as a coach? You already on the one-yard line. We just got a first down. You get out of bounds. If mm-hmm. you could fight for that yard, go ahead, fight for that yard, but don't stick it out like that just because of the rule. And just like mm-hmm. Stefanski said, they always tell them and they teach them don't stretch the ball out for reasons like that. So he knew it, but at the same time, I can't even fault the man because, you know, he's just trying to win. He's trying to make a play for his team. So there's no hard feelings in that situation. That just goes back to that rule, man. Like I said, you can't get mad at him. He's he trying to win the game. And I'm surprised to hear you say this. You being a, a defensive guy where the game has turned so much to where it makes it so hard for you to play defense. You got one rule that's actually in your favor. It doesn't come up that often, but it's a rule that's in your favor. I'm surprised to hear you say, man, nah, give that one to the offense. I'm just down for the betterment of the game no matter what. If that rule is taken away and it makes the game better, especially for situations like that, that game would have been, well, it already was a classic in my opinion, but that would have been an instant classic. If we would have been able to keep that ball and score and put the pressure on them just to Mm. see what they would have done after that, to try and get momentum back, to try and get points back on the board and trying to open the lead that they had, I, I would love to see that. You know what I mean? I can't be one-sided like that, even though, like you said, I am a defensive coach. It's still the betterment of the game, man. You, you have to change that rule. Let me uh, hit these real quick. Now, what is it that you feel the team is missing in order to get on Kansas City's level, to be from not only a playoff team but now being a serious title contender? I think we're missing a dynamic playmaking receiver that could be OBJ, that could be somebody else. We just need more speed at the skill position on the offensive end, especially out wide. We already have, hell, three good tight ends. I'll accept those tight ends. And Joku actually had a good game. So I'll take that from him any day of the week. So we good on the tight end side. We are 100% good on the offensive line side. We are absolutely great on the running back side. We That quarterback, eh, Byron. But uh, we just definitely need more dynamic speed out wide just to make us compete, man, because look, look around the league. You got speed everywhere out wide on every other team. It don't even matter if they a bad team. You still got speed out wide that can change the game at a drop of a hat. Jarvis, I love him. He's a possession receiver. He's not going to be a home run hitter. He, If you need a first down, go ahead. My man got sure hands. He'll catch it for you. If you need somebody to come down and chip the defensive end or come down and block a, a linebacker, Jarvis do all that. that. That's what his game is, and we got to use him for what he does. Higgins, he's not a burner, but he's a reliable receiver. I have no problem with Higgins whatsoever. He's not a speedster. Then you got Peoples-Jones. He's kind of in the middle of a speedster and just a regular guy, but this was his first year in the league, so he was still in the learning process due to that no training camp, due to that no OTAs. He was thrown into the fire, and he did damn good, too. I think he had a good year, actually. He did way better than I anticipated him doing, so that's something to look forward to, but that still goes back to us needing a burner on the outside. Ah, man. Uh, let me just touch on real quick, because you know OBJ, I'm about 70, 30 on him right now. 30% keep. 
for that deep threat if he could shut up play ball fall in line and realize this is not a superstar studded cast but a team of blue collar workers here so like if anybody could complain it's nicholas chubb and kareem hunt they them brothers don't complain they come in and they do their job so if if uh obj wants to be the star in the wasteland somewhere you could trade him away and get some nice linebackers because that's what i want to see i want to see some linebackers I want to see some defenders. I want to see some some studs back there that can smack people in the mouth and strike fear, strike the fear of Thor in that middle linebacker core because right now it's Swiss cheese to me. Do you have a, a linebacker in mind that you would like to see to come into Cleveland? I'm going to chime in Coach E for that. Like, you can get any linebacker or, or safety, who would it be? First of all, Sandejo is not going to be in there next year because Grant Delpit will be back. So that cancels Sandejo out anyway. Yay. As far as the linebacker situation, I honestly think we are decent at linebacker. It's just the fact of we need to get Taki Taki up to speed. We can't leave him on the island. I would rather see Taki Taki go in the middle and put Phillips and Mac outside because they are better in coverage. They are more athletic, and they can cover more ground at a faster pace. Phillips is a fast linebacker. If you really watch him play, he is one athletic dude. He's not the biggest guy, but he's big enough to be a linebacker and be good in pass coverage because, like I said, that's where the league is going. Everybody's looking for those matchups, those matchups that you can exploit. And Taki Taki is always that guy because he's always in coverage. He's stuck in coverage either on the slot or on the tight end, and that's just not his game. He's a great run thumper. He, he can stop the run with no problem. So that's why I think you could just do a little shuffling of the personnel. We do need to get deeper at linebacker and secondary because we still don't know what's going on with Greedy. He could still come back next year, or he can be done playing football altogether with that nerve injury in his shoulder and his neck area. That's a serious situation. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what his future is going to be. So you definitely need to get depth at the corner position. And after that, we just need to jail. That's all. We just need to jail and reassign a couple of positions or whatever. I see good things coming if we jail and have time and have our whole defense there. But like Coach Zinn said, you one injury away. But before that one injury happens, Mm -hmm. if you do all that moving around, I think we'll be good. Joe Woods, you heard him. Joe Woods. You on the hot seat, Joe Woods. B calls them the revolving doors. Do they stick around for another season? The revolving doors are our two defensive tackles, Ogan Joe B and Sheldon Richardson. So folks who haven't listened to, to prior podcasts. So what's your take on those topics? And, and we'll get out of here on that one. And the revolving doors, I think they might move on from Sheldon Richardson because, you know, he's getting up there. We need younger, vibrant depth on the defensive line and more athletic at the tackle position. I have no problem with Ogunjobi. Ogunjobi is pretty good as well, and he's still predominantly young, so he still has time. He's been productive. He had a couple down games here and there this year, but that's not his norm. He just, I don't know, took a crap a couple games. It's known to happen with people here and there. But Sheldon Richardson, they'll probably move on from so that could be a target area we look for in the draft or free agency. Hopefully the draft to get a younger guy that can grow with this young defense already instead of the free agent route that we only get the Sheldon Richardson treatment to one, two years out of him, and then we got to move on. Okay, so we'll leave it right there. At some point, I'm sure we'll be touching on our Browns over the, the offseason. It, it won't stop here even though it's the end of the season. So we'll still keep an eye on them. So – Let's keep things moving. 
The big three is back. The big three is back. The big three is back. And no, I'm not talking about Ice Cube Summer League. I'm talking about the real big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and now James Harden. Unless you were living under a rock, then you know that the Brooklyn Nets completed a four-team trade that landed the eight-time All-Star, six-time first-team All-NBA, three-time scoring champ, and former MVP, the bearded one, James Harden. What were your first reactions when you heard about the trade? At the time when it dropped, I was a little shocked because it happened way faster than I thought it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen a little bit later in the season, probably about not the midway point, but at least all-star break. But they pulled the trigger on it and had to get him out of there. He had to be doing some unruly things down there in Houston, which is slowly but surely coming out. Everybody talking about DeMarcus Cousins couldn't take it no more. He had to speak on the situation, so it had to be some eternal bull jive that was going on down there for them to <laughs> kick him out like that. I was kind of surprised just on the timing of it, not the whole deal being done itself, but just the timing of it. Man, I was thinking, first of all, James Harden went from Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. He was rolling down that court, and he amazingly, miraculously lost all that weight. Probably attacked it, another tactic to get out of Houston. But once I saw that, I said, boy, oh boy. Things have gone from decent to worse. And I'm probably the only one because everybody looking at offensively. No, first of all, you give away Jared Allen, your only defensive presence. Second of all, man, look, ain't enough basketballs in the universe to have all three of them passive-aggressive weirdos <laughs> playing with the ball, wanting the ball. But let me stand corrected on something with James Harden. Him and KD got a chemistry even better to me than Kyrie and KD. Right now, they could be Batman and Superman. But now, as my boy Shannon Sharp say, Kyrie then went from maybe Batman, maybe Superman to Alfred the Butler. <laughs> because when he come back, man, where he going to fit? Because right now, the way Harden is pushing that pill and scoring that rock, they could do some damage. But when you get all three of them weirdos looking at each other and Stabbing each other in the back mentally. Hey, hey, man, I'm still standing with it. They will not, not, not come out of the East. No way. What you said about the three not working, the biggest thing, I kind of forgot about this, is James Harden passing ability. We know he's he's always mm -hmm. averaged double digits in assists for these past few seasons. And I forgot he was the point guard when mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook and KD was together. He was the facilitator. I actually think it makes it complete. It's clear now. It's got to be James Harden. He's the best point guard on that team. Sorry, Kyrie Irving. When it comes to being a point oh. guard, not just being uh -huh. a scoring guard, he's the best right. point guard. If James Harden is the guy with the ball that's facilitating, getting better shots for KD and Kyrie, and all Kyrie got to do is do what he do, I see this thing being a monster right now. But thing is, they only got one big man. This is true. DeAndre Jordan. They do need another big, I think, for especially in the Eastern Conference when they come up against Giannis and they come up against Joel Embiid and, and the Bam mm -hmm. Adebayus. They're going to need need another big man. I don't know if DeAndre Jordan is going to suffice. As far as Byron saying that they are not going to make it out of the East, I don't understand how you can come to that conclusion. <laughs> whatsoever i don't see anybody scoring with them screw defense the man they can go for 130 a night easily they just had 128 without Kyrie. 
So I don't know who is right. going to score with them whatsoever. They can easily average 130 points a game. They can. I don't they see anybody, see? man, stopping that trio whatsoever. Who who are you going to take away? You got Joe Harris out there knocking down threes because he's going to be open. Nobody mm-hmm. is going to double-team Joe Harris out there. <laughs> then you got Jeff Green. He's still going to be open doing his thing, being a role player. And that's the thing about that team. They have a lot of role players that just play their role. They The big three is definitely going to be the big three. Everybody else just fall in line and do their job and keep it moving because they, they know they have something special and they want to win. So they're going to do everything they have to do to stay happy and to continue to win. Okay. Well, let me give you something on that. First of all, Kyrie's Instagram post just a few minutes ago, he said, I am human. I'm no different than you. I am human. I am healing. My problem with them three, quote unquote, the big three, is that Kyrie wants the ball. Yes or no? Yes. Exactly. Right now, who's a better PG to you, coach? Like, who you going to have push that pill? Just like Coach Zan said, I'm going with James Harden because Kyrie is not a pure point guard. Kyrie is a shooting guard trapped in a point guard's body. Exactly. But Kyrie, as in over at Boston, he wanted to be showboat Irvin. Showboat Irvin wants to be Uncle Drew on the court. He wants to dribble. He wants to do all this fantastic, you know, eye player stuff. But James Harden is a better PG. He's going to score. He's going to pass that pill. That's what they're doing right now. Where does that leave him? So either he's going to come off the bench like like Lou Williams, and Kyrie's not going to like that. So, Byron, you keep bringing up the Kyrie, the Boston Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I think that's a total different situation than what he's in right now because the Boston Kyrie went there feeling like he was an elder statesman, like he was entitled to that leadership role because they were a bunch of young cats. And he mm-hmm. felt that, like, yeah, I just came off a championship. Y'all need to listen to me. Just like you said before, he was trying to daddy brine them, and they wasn't going mm-hmm. for it. So that's right. where the static grew between them two. Well, not those two, but just Kyrie and the Boston team, period. But he sees Harden and Durant as his equals. So I don't think it's going to be hard for him to take a lesser role. It, it's definitely going to be uncomfortable, but I think he sees them as his peers, so it's going to be easier, in my opinion, for him to jump on board and be happy with that because they're going to be succeeding anyway. They wasn't succeeding in Boston, so that's what threw everything off in Boston compared to what's going on in Brooklyn right now. Ooh, I'm glad you said it. You said it. I used to watch a show called Team Wolf. Team Wolf, <laughs> you had an alpha. You had an alpha. And that is the problem. Kyrie wants to be an alpha. And who was the alpha? Who who was the alpha on that team? KD. Without question. Exactly. KD is the alpha. KD has been the alpha, quiet alpha, too. He went and he stole Golden State from Curry. Alpha. He is the alpha. Thing is, Harden may be able to fall in line because Harden is an alpha. Kyrie wants to be an alpha. LeBron let Kyrie be a co-alpha. But LeBron was the alpha. So the problem is Kyrie wants to be an alpha. He's no alpha. And if he could sit back and say, look, I'm no alpha. This is KD team. I'm not equal to them dudes because he's not. He's not. And I love Kyrie. Cleveland Kyrie with Daddy Bron, with a supervisor, a chaperone. He's a champion. <laughs> but he ain't had that sense. And he ain't did nothing since. Not at all. The person I think who's going to make sure this works 
is James Harden. For years, James Harden was the sole provider of the Houston Rockets. What it wound up doing was he was getting a whole lot of minutes, adding on to his body, and then when it came playoff time, he wasn't able to produce when he needed to produce because he was tired. This right here, he like, oh, this makes my job easy. The opposite of Baker Mayfield when it comes to Odell <laughs> Beckham. <laughs> I like nice. that. I like how he nice. threw that in there. Yeah, yeah, just, just a little subtle jam. one. <laughs> but but let me ask you guys this. So now this is the, the first big three since Golden State where you got three guys with more than five all-star appearances. Do you think the NBA is about to head back? Because we, we got away from it after KD left Golden State and we became a, a dynamic duo NBA again. Do you feel we're about to head back into the, the big three NBA again? Our team's going to now start trying to figure out how we get three max players on our roster now? I think that's definitely the way it's going, especially with that trade. Everybody's not going to have no choice just to keep up. They really have to get the big three back. Because what you going to do with two guys going against that three-headed monster? That's a no avail right there. So I think it's going to have no choice but to go back to the big three days. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's that's a big two and a half. That's not a big three. That's a big two and a half because Kyrie is Kyrie no Alpha Irvin. And second of all, how y'all throwing shade to the big three Clippers? Because don't they got a big three? Let's count them. Paul George, which is in, but he's still Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Lou Williams. Lou Williams, see, if Kyrie Irving takes a Lou Williams role and come off the bench, those boys will be unstoppable. No, no. Come off the bench, 100% Kyrie. 100% not happening whatsoever. <laughs> it's not happening. Kyrie will not come off the bench. And, and I said, I said bench, big three Kyrie. because you got three guys with over five all-star appearances. You don't have that. Lou Williams has never made an all-star game. This is about to be something nasty right here. I'm sensing a lot of hate on the other side right there. And don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge Kyrie fan. Like he said earlier, the, the Cavs Kyrie, that was my dude. But I can't hate on his greatness, man. The dude is still one of the top players in the league. So you got to give him his due, man. I understand you upset. But come on, man. At first you, you said come I'm off upset? the bench. Then you yeah. said. You want to know why I'm upset? Yeah, I'm upset. Because we had a great thing here. Kyrie Irving. With Daddy Brian, championships, chips, could have been plural. He realized that later on when he went off and trashed Boston and called up Brian, man, I'm sorry, you know, he was right. But Kyrie, he don't have that. KD going to be that, nothing against KD. KD going out to do his thing. And KD, I've never thought I'd say this, is an alpha. You know, he's an alpha. He is the man. He is pretty much unstoppable. Kyrie Irving stops himself. Get out your way, Kyrie. Come off the bench. I'll let Mr. Taboo Timmons. Yeah, this sounds like that old Chappelle skit. Oh, man. Hate, 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 hate. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So, last but not least, let's talk about our former Ohio State Buckeye head coach, Urban Meyer, making big moves. He's decided to take the head coaching job for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Urban, in his last two coaching stops, has cited health issues for stepping down. Some believe that was just a malarkey, him trying to run game. I don't see him having a reason to lie, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So, Coach E, 
You're the perfect person to ask this question. Even with all this triggering his health, what is it about coaching that Urban Meyer can't stay away? Just the pure love of the game and just wanting to be involved and be a head coach because you put so much work in and when you see the results, you fall that much more in love with it and you constantly want to be around it. Just You saw him, he took the broadcasting job to stay around the game. It's a part of you that always wants to be involved with the game no matter what. That's the reason I got into coaching, so I could stay close to the game. It's no way around it. Once you get bit by that bug, you constantly want to be around it no matter what you got to do to stay around it. Now, with rumors going around him seeking $12 million per year, the Jaguars did a, a smart thing by not disclosing the amount of his contract once he signed. <laughs> but you got to figure, if uh, Matt Rule the former head coach of Baylor, now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, is rumored to be getting an estimated $10 million per year. This is Urban Meyer. For me, the second best coach of college football behind Nick Saban. But seeing that college coaches have not have a track record for success, if he's going to get paid that much money, will he be worth that much money, coach? Absolutely. I guarantee that was a bargaining note in his dealings with the Jaguars. I guarantee he threw that Matt Rule in there. So you gonna you gonna let an organization give Matt Rule ten million dollars? I'm Urban the Freak Meyer. I deserve twelve million dollars out the gate. But that just continues to show what I keep talking about pod after pod. The game is changing in the NFL. And with the Jaguars having a number one pick and we all know who is considered to be the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, Goldilocks. That is another quarterback that's mobile. That is another quarterback who's going to be changing the game. He's a big guy. He can definitely be the pocket passer, but you know Urban Meyer's offense. He's going to throw a whole bunch of wrinkles in the game. It's not going to be your traditional NFL offense, and I think, like I said, that's where the game is going anyway. So this is definitely going to help push forward the evolution of the quarterback in the NFL and the game in the NFL merging with the college game going way more spread because you see everybody going spread anyway you see everybody taking the college concepts all these nfl coaches go in the offseason to meet with all these college coaches anyway to get some schemes and get some route concepts together it's just gonna push forward the change of the game right now with him taking this job and to support your point 57 players that played in the league last season was coached by urban meyer <laughs> so that's a roster full right there. So Yes, it is. And we're not even including the players that he tried to get to come play for him. That's probably like three times more. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably like a, a good 150 of them that's in the, in the league right now. So Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you feel that's going to give him an advantage, him being familiar with the players and knowing the style of play that's going to suit them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to help him out a ton, not to mention he's in Florida. Not to mention there's no state taxes and not to mention the cap room that the Jaguars have. I think they're going to have a lot of free agents coming down there just to play for Urban Meyer. A lot of people like Urban Meyer. I like Urban Meyer. He did us so much justice at The Ohio State University. I don't have no problem with Herb. I want to see Herb succeed, especially on this level. I'm with you. But look, if the greatest coach, the greatest college football coach of all time, wasn't able to succeed in the NFL. You know, I have my doubts a little bit. But to kind of answer that part right there, you got to look at their personalities and just a general history period. Nick Saban is a no-nonsense, do-it-my-way type of guy, my way or the highway type of guy. 
Herb is willing to bend a little bit here to change something to make people comfortable. Hell, Nick Saban just accepted adopting the spread offense in Bama because he never wanted to go spread because he didn't think that was a good way to play football. But he saw everybody was doing it and everybody was having the success they was having with it. So he like, man, I have no choice but to buy in right now. So that was the only reason he changed to the spread offense. But Herb is more of a he appeals to the younger people way more because he's willing to change and he's willing to make adjustments for the particular player or highlight a particular player's skill set and be way more comfortable with it and have a very innovative way of doing it. So I think that's what the difference is between Saban and Urban on the NFL level, because I think Herb will be willing to change anything if it helps them win to a certain extent. But I think he's way more open to change than Nick Saban, Nick Saban has ever been. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But we'll see. So we'll leave it there. Hey, good pod, fellas. Good pod, fellas. Before we get out of here, Coach, you got a a post-game word for the people. (laughs) Absolutely. You know this is what we do, brother. So come on in, team. Bring it in. Ladies and gentlemen, take a knee. All eyes on me. Focus. This is a very important topic right here. Today we're going to talk about confidence. Not just any confidence. We're going to talk about self-confidence. Confidence in yourself in order to push you to that next level. You have to have self-confidence. You're going to come up to a whole lot of roadblocks and doubts in your mind in the growth process, but that self-confidence is always going to keep you centered, keep you grounded, keep you focused on what you're trying to get to. No matter how many times you fail, you must keep going on. You must keep pushing. And that goes back to what? Self-confidence. In order for you to figure out who you are and what you're going to do and what you're going to succeed at, you have to have self-confidence in yourself in order to get to where you want to go, in order to be there for a long time and stay there, not just get there and experience something to a certain extent and flame out on it. Stay there and have the confidence in yourself that you're going to grow. You're going to stay there and you're going to be exactly who you want to be in the end. Self-confidence. Win on three, win on me. One, two, three. Win! It sounds so sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again from the bottom of my heart for listening to Game of All Seasons with Coach E. I appreciate your continued support, and hopefully we are meeting your expectations and keeping you entertained. Thank you very much. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Game for All Seasons with Coach E. Please remember to hit the like or subscribe button. Also make sure to follow Coach E on Instagram at BigF216 or on Twitter at BigF216. And be sure to check out Coach E's Perfect Time Fitness Facebook page. If you're in the Cleveland area, contact us via email at eacurry, the number one, at gmail.com for one-on-one or group training sessions. Our theme music provided by Mr. Taboo Timmons on SoundCloud at Mr. Taboo Timmons. Once again, thanks for listening and see you next week.